This is Investing Ideas by ValueInvestAsia.com. Welcome to Season 2 of our Investing Ideas. I'm Stanley. This week, we chat with Brian Halim, a Singapore-based investment blogger. Brian has been an active investment blogger in the Singapore market for the past decade and has really become a key opinion leader for retail investors interested in investing in Singapore. Interestingly, Brian has decided to move out of his comfort zone this time around for our interview and talk about a fast-growing tech company listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. So this is our discussion with Brian on Zero Limited. Here we go. From ValueInvestAsia.com, this is Investing Ideas, where we talk to investors from all walks of life, learn from them, and find out some of their favorite investment ideas. So, welcome, Brian. How are you? Hi, hi, Stanley. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm very excited today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm very excited. Also, yeah. Before normally, uh, before we uh, jump straight into the investing ideas that you want to share with our audience today, we we want to have a small chat with you first. Why don't you share with us um what, what's your background in and why do you end up choosing to become a financial blogger? Mm, yeah. Sure. So I uh, I'm actually came from an accounting and finance uh, background. So I uh, throughout my professional career, I've been in the, uh, the accounting line. I started from a uh, a big four accounting firm, and then I moved to an MNC, uh, and then now I actually for the last uh, for this year, I actually moved to a a startup firm, which uh, basically is a kind of a new challenge for me and uh, give me a, a whole new perspective of uh, how to look at companies. So I think it'll be interesting to uh, to to talk about uh, this company that I will be talking today. Right. Okay. So, so Ram, you you actually moved to a few industry be, uh, before, like a different type of company. Um, and in your work right now in a startup, what 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 are you focusing on? What what's what's your role inside the startup? Yeah. So I I mainly uh, basically I'm the the head of the the finance in this uh the startup firm. So my role is the is the typical uh, maintaining the book, making sure that our numbers are looking good, budgeting. Um, raising funds to investors. So, of course, while while talking to our investors, then I kind of also had a had a had a clear look exactly uh, what investors are very much looking into. Uh, the typical key metrics of a startup firm, which is uh, what I'm going to talk about later. Ah, okay, that's that's interesting. And uh, why why did you end up starting your own financial blog? What what's the what's the what's the motivation behind it? Yeah, I actually started it uh, writing it about maybe more than ten years ago. So I think yeah. it's the, the key back then was then to to just journal the the whole idea about uh, financial freedom, mm-hmm. um, and of course financial freedom it can be more than just personal savings alone. So I started writing about personal finance, but also analyzing uh, companies. Um, which I am basically interested in, and uh, I wanted to put my money where I, I I talk about in the blog. So that's where I started to to kind of uh, analyze companies, meet people, and and yeah. Right. Okay. And and also, uh, you have a very interesting feature on your blog, which is that you actually present out your own portfolio within within your blog, lah. Right. 
Uh, it's a very sizable portfolio. Congratulations on that. Uh, but I, 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 I can't help to notice, right, when I, I'm checking out on the update, uh, you are actually holding on to a lot of cash right now. Yeah, right. yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> why, why is that? Are you, uh, are you quite pe- pessimistic about the market? <laughs> Uh, generally, I just feel like I cannot find a, a, a really compelling idea, especially because uh, most of my investment in the past few years has been in the Singapore market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't really got a chance to, to look and uh, venture out of the Singapore. But, but of course, these days, I, I've been looking more into the Hong Kong, China, and also the US market. But generally, I think overall, the price has been, uh, valuation has been on the, on the, on the up, upscale. Uh, when we when we compare against the uh, the future earnings, so I guess it's uh, it's, it's it's a better time to to wait in my opinion uh, until there's a, a little bit more blood on the street where uh, there's a low hanging fruit to pick up from. I see. Okay, okay, that's that's fair enough. Uh, why don't we jump straight into the idea that you have today? Uh, it's a very interesting company. Uh, one that I have owned it in the past. Uh, for my family portfolio as well. Uh, but why don't you introduce this company to, to our audience? Sure. So the company I'll be talking today is uh, then called uh, Zero. Mm-hmm. So Zero is uh, uh, the reason why I, I, I first chose this company was because uh, it's also outside my circle of competence. I don't usually analyze a tech companies, especially in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since I started out working uh, in my this uh, current startup firm, I thought, you know, why not give it a shot, uh, something more challenging, something more interesting, right? right. So, so the reason why I chose this company was uh, was mainly because the, exactly because the, the financials are not looking great if we take a look from uh, from an overall traditional P&L point of view. And, uh, and of course, then in this uh, discussion, I wanted to uh, de-myth, uh, debunk that myth that... Uh, uh, a company that is uh, making loss right now does not mean that it's not a good company to, to look at. Uh, and of course, then Zero uh, and, and of course, a few other tech companies comes into play. So this is the reason why I wanted to choose uh, Zero to talk about. Right. Okay. Uh, of course, Zero is uh, listed actually on ASX, on the Australian Stock Exchange. Uh, it's accounting software services, I, I would say, right? Do, uh, do you yep. agree? And uh, yeah, why, why do you like this company? Sure. So, uh, let me give a brief introduction about the, this company. So, this company is uh, basically like like you mentioned, is a, a cloud-based accounting software platform. Um, started out started off in New Zealand, but listed in Australian stock exchange. Um, it's an accounting software which is uh, mainly used really, uh, by a lot of uh, startups, small or even medium-sized uh, enterprises. Right. So, I guess it's who are a uh, accountant and you're working in a small or uh, medium-sized companies, I think you must have heard of uh, Zero because, uh, uh, of course, there will be other competitors which I will I can I can talk about later. Mm-hmm. But I guess the the, the biggest advantage of uh, Zero at the moment, currently as a software, mm-hmm. is is ability to integrate with a lot of other external applications uh, into the software. Um, so if you are if you are trying to do um, uh, a certain report, um, you are able to actually integrate it with a particular external software, which most uh, other accounting software which I've used in the past, small, uh, does not been able to do that. Right. So you can actually link it with some external software that you are you are using. Uh, can you give an example uh, in your own experience? So, uh, how how do you 
like combine uh, zero with other other software that you're using yeah so actually it's, uh, if you're trying to uh, for instance for instance here if you're trying to pull a a, a report and try to link it with your even with your some of the in-house uh, uh, operational system or, or for example let's say uh, a, an amex card for example right that uh, you use for your company's expenses you are actually able to link the, the card together into your system such that if you incur any cost on your business cards, that expenses will actually go automatically inside your 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 zero system instead of you know having you to key, key in manually uh, how much you spend this today and tomorrow and following after that. Right. Okay. So it uh, like save a lot of time on the bookkeeping side of things. Yeah. Right. That's right. Uh, I, I remember because when I'm starting up on my own company also, uh, I'm using the bank uh, UOB. They also provide a service where it can link my UOB bank account with, uh, with zero directly if I want to as well. Yeah, so, that's right. So, so they, they, just, they just work with a lot of other partners uh, to help you automate some of the bookkeeping uh, systems. Uh, would you say that? Yeah, that's correct. Hmm, okay, okay. Uh, but how, how is that? different from say any other player there's quite a lot a number of i guess cloud-based accounting system out there uh, even locally so what 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 makes it a uh, zero special um for me i've uh, when 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 i try to look at uh, especially just in singapore right it's uh, not 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 user worldwide i guess cloud-based uh, accounting software is not very much common in singapore yet Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of uh, much smaller players, uh, desktop kind of uh, uh, a software. So if you look at the uh, uh, APEC, uh, MYOB in the past, yeah. uh, even the, the very basic QuickBooks, etc. All they did was really uh, a very simple accounting uh, software, which then allows you to key in your, your typical bookkeeping and uh, manual journals. But then it doesn't allow you to, to first integrate with other platforms. And second, all your information is then not stored on on the, on, the, on the cloud, basically. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted, if you want to retrieve after that, it will be kind of uh, difficult. Right. Okay. Okay. And for cloud-based one, uh, are, are they already the biggest? Um, I maybe globally or, or maybe in Asia Pacific, or, or why don't you yeah. share a little bit about some of their um, sure. I think. Sure, I think some of the competitors, if we're just looking at the, the Asia Pacific, thing, I think Zero is a, is a one which is a lot more dominant. Especially if we look, uh, if we especially if we include Australia and New Zealand inside the the bigger Asia pack in a way, um, in uh, in Southeast Asia alone, a lot of uh, almost I would say seventy to eighty percent of the of the small and medium enterprise still uses Zero. Mm -hmm. uh, there are others in play, um, you know, such as uh, Financial Force, NetSuite, Oracle, which uh, I've uh, a little bit ex uh, experience into it. Okay. But I guess uh, the, the the overall um, structure of the the software is still very much into zero. Ah, okay, okay. And and you talked just now a little bit about uh, how do you look at uh, a startup firm, some of the matrix that you look at uh, when you analyze such a company. You, you want to share that with us? How, how do you analyze such a company compared to a traditional type of company? Sure, sure. So I, uh, so if we look at the uh, basically the the very traditional PNL of this mm -hmm. company, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you if you are someone who comes from a, a traditional background and you look at and you and you look one glance at this uh, PNL, 
um, you'd be disappointed, right? Because <laughs> the rate basically, right? Uh, apart from the top line, which obviously is uh, growing because they are in the growth phase, yeah. but apart from it, everything else is in the red. So I have friends who, who, who whom I show this spreadsheet, <laughs> and then for me within five seconds, like this is not a company I wanted to own, right? Because it's <laughs> why would you want to own a company that is making net uh, net losses year after year, even after like 12, 13 years of operations. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so even even from a cash flow, free cash flow point of view, it's still also all in the red. So it's uh, but but again after um, but but again, I think this is not the the way typically on how you uh, measure and read uh, and analyze a tech company. So so if you if you wanted to look more in uh, in the detail, you can actually look at uh, uh, one of their 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 notes in the in the in their annual report, which actually shows some of the key metrics for uh, a SaaS type of companies. Okay. So what they did here was uh, basically they they kind of uh, track uh, the main uh, a few things. And then the first is then the the number of subscribers they have. Obviously, that's going to impact their top line numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, but more than uh, just the number of subscribers alone, they actually goes into the details of how they break down. Um, specifically into the CAC, which is uh, then stands for a cost of a customer's acquisitions. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, of course, the customer of cost of acquisitions uh, typically made up of more than just the your 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 typical selling and marketing, but uh, also includes a typical um, operational cost where you basically uh, tells you how much uh, the company is willing to spend in order to convert. From a potential to an actual customers, mm. so if you look at the at the numbers all the way from uh, the early days until now, the, the the numbers have actually been quite constant. It is uh, the cost of the acquisitions. If I look at the numbers here, is about like three from a three hundred seventy seven dollars per subscriber, mm -hmm. about four hundred dollars per subscriber. Right. So yeah, those are, those are the marketing costs to get one customer on board. That's correct. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And 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 uh, I think the the one of the important uh, uh, key of zero is that actually once you once a company start using zero, it's actually become it's actually quite sticky. You don't actually change accounting software year after year year after year because yeah. you want you want to keep one where it is stable and be there for years until uh, the. So so what we do here is that then we uh, the company typically tends to 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 compute. What they call as the lifetime value of the customers, the LTV, subscriber mm. uh, basis. So once you once the customer acquire this uh, new potential subscriber into their company, they then compute how many years will then this subscriber stay in the company um, in their lifetime, right? So if we look at these uh, metrics, uh, the numbers is actually has grown from uh, one thousand seven hundred five years ago to two thousand four hundred. Um, in 2019. So if we look at the ratio, which is then the LTV over the, the CAC cost, is actually around five to six times now, which means for every single customers that they bring, mm -hmm. uh, they're actually able to make six times in the, in, in, throughout their lifetime. Wow. Okay. So th that's definitely quite impressive given that, you know, in 2015, I'm uh, just looking at your table here. 2015, the lifetime value to the cost of acquisition is only around four plus times, right? So they have also improved that and also while maintaining the cost of acquisition. Hmm, pretty, yeah. pretty impressive. 
but let me be uh, a devil's advocate here because when you say that accounting software is very sticky which I agree because uh, we started out on, on our accounting software and I find it really hard if you want to migrate to another one uh, but wouldn't that also mean that it's very hard for them to penetrate to say existing companies who already have some software uh, it's hard for them to penetrate that, that market and ask people to switch to, to zero yeah i think uh that is one actually one of the or one of the main uh risks especially if, if if the company is trying to break into uh, a different vertical means they are trying to to go not only targeting the small and medium enterprise but let's say one day they they wanted to grow bigger uh they have a product which is ready and try to break the uh the the, the higher i mean the, the larger type of companies um, I've worked with companies, uh, bigger companies in the past, and uh, typically they use uh, um, SAP or Oracle Hyperion uh, in order to. Um, that one has a totally different scale. Um, uh, they have a, a large, large base of modules that's uh, able not only to integrate your your typical typical accounting, but also like uh, you know things like payroll. Um, other expenses, uh, budgeting, forecasting, uh, operational. So I think, I think the 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 larger place is definitely harder to break into. Uh, I would I would think they would rather go geographically uh, to, and try to penetrate the 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 more startup uh, kind of firm globally. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, but it, it also uh, have. Do you have any data on say what of what is their biggest that their customers range are like is it from startup to how big of a company that they can serve because you talk about a lot of enterprises they would just use some of the bigger guys like Oracle or SAP would they have a risk like uh, today I'm a startup I will I might start with zero but as my company grow and grow and become much bigger uh, sooner or later I have to migrate to uh, accounting software by the big guys like SAP or Oracle. Mm. Uh, is there I, such a risk? I think they, there is, there is. Uh, and, and But then I think the, the reason why um, uh, Zero is so attractive at the moment is uh, is because they, uh, their, their, their pricing package today is uh, very, very competitive in my opinion. So if you look at their, what they offer today, they are, their pricing range uh, starts from 20 bucks uh, uh, per subscriber based on the, on the starter. Mm-hmm. And then thirty bucks based on the standard, and then forty bucks based on the on the premium, uh, right. which is still very, uh, very, very affordable for a startup or medium enterprise. Yeah. Um, of course, they are. Uh, Zero is also trying to do a lot of enhancement to their product. So, for example, uh, last year they actually bought uh, a HubDoc, uh, which is then, which is then um, uh, a software application in order to integrate a lot of the the, the main administrative tasks uh, that you can integrate together in at zero mm-hmm. and uh, they are actually only increasing the the, the pricing package by uh, two dollars uh, from next year onwards from 2020 right. onwards so I think I think there's a lot of enhancement that's being done to the product as they, as they, as the the software tries to grow even uh, to, to, to the SAP type of a scale mm-hmm. but then I get Price is then uh, will be a main factor for the for for any startup or medium enterprise firm. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sounds sounds very very interesting. Uh, what do you think of their profitability going forward? Uh, because you mentioned they have never really been profitable. Um, what's your view on that? 
Yeah, I think uh, if we look interestingly, even though they have not been uh, uh, very profitable, but if you look at the at the trend, and uh, if you if you look at just now the uh, the key metrics which is measuring the LTV over the CAC, uh, this is, it is actually very promising indeed. Um, so they started off uh, with a lot of costs uh, even back five years ago. Uh, their operational costs are up until 156%, which means they are typically making a net loss margin of 56%. Mm-hmm. But if we move into uh, all the way 2018, 2019, we can look at it slowly um, churning down the, the loss. So in, uh, in the 2019, their, their net loss is actually only uh, 4.9%, uh, which is actually uh, very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there is a is, there's a good chance that in a, in the 2020 or 2021 that they that they might even uh, go back into the the black finally after like 12 to and uh, 13 of 13 years of operations. Mm-hmm. Look at the at the at the half dog acquisition and the the increase in the pricing premium from March 2020 onwards next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we take uh, a very conservative value of a two dollars uh, increase in the package. Uh, multiplied by the number of uh, subscribers that they currently have in their books, mm. that alone would give them about like uh, how much thirty, around thirty over millions in a in a year. I so I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, in addition. So I guess that alone, that enhancement alone would likely bring them back in the black, assuming uh, all numbers are, are, are constant or equal. Mm. But I guess uh, they are already going into that direction where where the, where the management has guided for for a stronger cash flow, um, you know, um, even at the, at the, at this growth phase they wanted to be back in the black as soon as possible. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just you, you mean just looking at the trend, they should be uh, looking into becoming in the blacks as they continue to grow. I I, I saw that uh, also from their cash flow from operation. They happen to finally turn the cash flow from operation into positive as well, so that's a pretty good sign as well, right? Yep, that's exactly. Yep. Okay. Okay. And, and um, so looking at it, so what what could be the risk for this company? What, what do you think? I think the the risk is uh basically just now we already touched briefly on it, so I guess. Um, a lot of the risk is because they, they currently focus a lot of uh, on their small and the medium enterprises. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you said, so it's uh, the first is the the, the probably their, their inability to penetrate into the the larger companies, which of course larger companies means they have a larger budget, which means then they typically want a, a, a much comprehensive uh, modules to have in, in their in their in the software, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and but I think secondly, um, we have to really look at the the economies as a whole. I think uh, companies uh, like Zero, which obviously target small and medium enterprises, they kind of thrive in an environment where uh, basically the economy is looking great. There are more startup firms uh, coming up. Uh, it is easy to get, and and of course, startup means uh, easier to get funding and so on and so forth. So. So in a in a in a scenario where let's say we have a, a recession, right, and uh, a lot of companies are asked to cut their their budget, mm. or even the startup firm are getting difficulty in trying to raise funds uh, to investors. So all these things will then of course then impact zero because there there are a number of subscribers. Not only will they have to be you know a little bit stagnant, 
but also there is a potential where the number of subscribers could actually go down because of uh, all this risk which we have not seen really yet in the in the past 10 years yeah, and, and I think the and I think the the other risk is uh, of course regarding the, the the cash flow, right? I mean they 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 are, te- they are technically already public listed, so mm-hmm. in a way, um, you know they cannot and and they must have the uh, they, they they must eventually you know go into a, a positive uh, free cash flow because if they don't uh, a few years down the road that will mean a lot of burning on the cash and then they will one day have to then raise. Uh, funds to investors which is uh, typically not very nice yeah and talking about that point uh how's their balance sheet looking like at this point? so the, the balance is okay uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nothing nothing much uh special uh, because they are also trying to to, to grow mm-hmm. uh, uh, and also a lot of the acquisitions like the hub for example they actually capitalize the the cost so a lot of uh uh a lot of their cost goes into the the the, the depreciation especially uh very upfront accelerated type of depreciation right yeah so i think the the, the balance sheet looks okay at the moment but then we we hopefully this does not goes down throughout the the next 10 years where the company is still cash burning mm, so they are not like very highly get or they don't have a lot of debt on their books la. yeah they don't it's okay mm. yeah. okay mm. now the now the burning question, you know, I, I quite agree with most of everything that you said on, on, on the growth prospect of this company. But uh, I think a lot of investors will, will, will be stuck at this point, which is valuation. <laughs> yeah, How do you value such a company and looking at, uh, at, at it? Yeah, so for, for, for such a company that is uh, basically not yet uh, profit making. So we, I mean, typically uh, a traditional company, we will uh, do a, as a very simple multiple valuation on the price to earnings but then because this one has uh, no earnings mm. uh, in a way so it uh, doesn't make sense to, to do price to earnings which we then um, which we then then go up into uh, how much does the the company grow their top line at uh, and uh, if we if we take a, a, a backward method of valuing this company so the the market cap today of zero is worth about 11.4 billion mm-hmm. Um, which uh, and today's uh, share price I think is about eighty dollars per share. So if we do a, a quick mathematical computation, this would implies uh, a sales turnover of uh, twenty times um, the the top line numbers. Yeah. Um, and twenty times top line numbers is actually pretty high because if we just typically take a, a very simplistic twenty percent margin on the earnings. So let's say the company goes into the black next year. Mm-hmm. And the and the company makes a twenty percent net margin, a twenty percent a twenty times turnover multiples will simplify uh, simplify about one hundred times price to earnings. So I think it's a very very high uh, and to to be such a, a high valuation in my opinion, uh, you really have to justify the kind of a potential growth that you that the company is still growing. Right. So at which point would you think would you personally? become like uh, interested and, and when willing to invest in such a company i think is uh i think typically within eight to ten times would be would be pretty fair actually the start of this year before the company uh rise to today's price is actually quite uh quite fair um and it is only like uh today uh 12 months down the road where we see uh the company grows their top line by 31 percent and uh, but the share price has even goes even much higher 
um, that I, I do feel the value from a valuation perspective is uh, is a little on the high side. Of course, uh, that doesn't mean the company cannot grow. I would think uh, once the company goes into the the black uh, in the next one or two years, then the the market will be probably valuing it much higher. But I guess we we always wanted to have that uh, uh, like a margin of safety where, where where we don't over overpay. Yeah. Uh, so so you're basically kind of saying that if it's around ten times sales, uh, it will look interesting to you. Yeah, I think typical. Uh, if we I have a, a quick data list here, uh, mm-hmm. a graph where uh, a typical SaaS type of companies uh, publicly listed. So if uh, you are at around ten times your Turnover multiples you are typically should grow at about thirty to forty percent, which is which is exactly what the zero is currently currently right. growing. For you to to justify uh, turnover multiples of twenty times means mm. you had to grow at about sixty to eighty times uh, eighty sixty to eighty percent revenue growth rate, which I think at the moment zero will not be able to do so in a, from a year to year point of view. Okay. Yeah, I'll show the graph out, uh, for everyone to to have a look. Um, but I I do have a question as well on this company, because at the end of the day, although it's uh, fast growing and definitely a very useful uh, software tool for a lot of company and especially startup, uh, they they are still considered like almost like a, a one product type of company, right? So if you compare it with other SaaS company like uh, your Dropbox or Slack, uh, which is one product but doing it very well, uh, do you think they will also struggle uh, alongside with company like Dropbox or Slack when the big guys start to realize that this is a profitable market and we, we want to attack, attack it? So like Google with their Google Drive and also mm-hmm. Microsoft now with Microsoft Team, uh, yeah. would you see... Uh, zero facing such a such a big problem, and uh, do you think they will still come out alright if if such thing happens? Yeah, good good question. I think if uh, for me the the key is really then to look at the, the company's uh, economic modes, right? Uh, I think if we if we compare it against uh, a Slack, for example, right? They are they they started started off very strong in the in the in the in this uh, chat applications uh, mm-hmm. software. But then, if we if we try to to take a holistic view at it, right? Uh, there is a lot more competitors in this uh, space versus what the uh, in uh, the accounting software type of where where zero has a has a has a mode at. So, um, I I don't know. For me, for example, in my company, right? We we use like uh, we also use Microsoft Teams, and we also have a Microsoft package uh, bundles where we where we typically have uh, access. Uh, PowerPoint, you know, Excel, and all these things, right? So the way the way Microsoft penetrate the the, the market is uh, more of like they are they're trying to sell overall as a bundle, which then of course includes Microsoft Teams. Mm. While Slack is in the space whereby it's a very traditional type, uh, very one area where it sells your you know your 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 chat, uh, chat box kind of a platform, mm. and. And and to me, I personally don't see the the need for a for a company to 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 have that. Uh, we we always have other alternatives that we can use, right? Uh, even within the the company itself. So Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts, or you know Skype and things like that, which is uh, yeah. a lot free. 
So, yeah. so for me as a as a finance, if let's say one day I have to to really cut budget, mm. uh, and I have to pick point pinpoint out where I think the company could cut my budget on, I think Slack will be one of them because I I just don't feel don't feel that uh, it it is that you know it doesn't have that importance uh, number one space on my on my on my list. Whereas yeah. uh, companies like Zero, um, correct. I I think other big other big players might come into mm. the play, but then I think it's, uh, it's, it's not as easy to penetrate as opposed to uh, a comp- companies like Dropbox or Slack. Right. Mm, re- uh, let me challenge you on that part a little bit, uh, Brian. Yep. Because uh, I, I'll give an example. Because last time I used to, uh, I, I write all my notes on digital notes. So in the past, I used this app called Evernote. Uh, right. And, and uh, I use it for very many, many years. Um, but when when my Microsoft Office uh, uh, 2010 expired, uh, like expired, mm. or then I try to renew a new one, so I end up uh, signing up for Microsoft 360. Mm. And within the 360, they provide everything, including uh, Microsoft OneNote, and they have a one-click export from uh, Evernote because they know Evernote is their biggest competitor for the note section, and it's almost seamless, right? It's just one click. I I put in my Evernote account and then they put everything into my OneNote uh, directly and, and uh, it's like I never left. Uh, and, and from then on, I stopped using uh, Evernote uh, ever again because with my 360 subscription, my OneNote is, uh, you know, I have, I have a, a mm-hmm. much larger space. Would that also happen to zero at a point where, you know, uh, maybe Oracle or SAP uh, find out how to export their data completely and seamlessly? And then SAP will say to the, the guys, uh, say, hey, you know, we can have a one-click export of all your account from zero. Uh, and then the, everything will, will be uh, pumped into SAP as the company grow because they might need SAP uh, ERP system or other systems. Uh, would, wouldn't that also, that, wouldn't that might happen as well? Yeah, yeah, actually... Uh... SAP has also, um, if, if, if a company has already been using SAP or Oracle, right, actually mm. a lot of the uh, modules which, uh, which Zero currently has, they also have it. So it's, it's actually um, not, uh, not a fair comp- uh, comparison because obviously they are a, a much larger scale and it basically has everything Zero has today, I think, except, uh, um, yeah, I think pretty much like that. Even from an integration, uh, from a UI, UX perspective, everything else is, uh, is better. But... But I think the the key is then uh, uh, SAP actually price uh, their subscription a lot a lot more expensive. Mm. Um, I cannot recall on top of my head how much, but I think it's about 150, 150 on a per, per 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 subscriber basis. If you want to have access, that's how much they charge. It's, mm. it's very costly for them. Yeah. Uh, it's unlikely for SAP to penetrate into the smaller market at the moment. Uh, because obviously the from a budget wise they they cannot but but I agree like you said uh, if one let's say one day uh, they are able to price it affordably and they are able to have a, a one click system where you know typically an accountant all they need is, is just a report right uh, yeah. they, they really care what uh, what software to use uh, <laughs> but to do that then for sure for sure they are but I think one of the one of the board members of Zero is actually uh, a guy from MYOB. So MYOB right. is, uh, is also some uh, uh, 
a, a very good accounting software used yeah. uh, typically by smaller firms in the past and uh, a few history here and there. So I think uh, they do have a lot of experience on the management. Uh, they are not new. They are someone mm. who's been exposed to to these, their competitors and so on. So I think I think they'll be wary of this, uh, this like you said, the risk. Right, cool. Mm. Yeah, definitely a fascinating company. Uh, and I'm actually quite surprised when I when I chat with you and you say that you want to present this company because from following your blog for, for quite a while, <laughs> this is definitely not uh, a typical company that you, you, you look at uh, within your blog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not in the past. It is not in the past, but yeah. I think I think uh, it's it's uh, it's interesting to follow the space of uh, you know mm. a very high growth uh, uh, a very interesting space uh, where a lot of these uh, new Texas company can really break through to become uh, the next big player. Okay. Wow. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, Brian. Uh, once again, this is uh, Brian Halim from uh, TreeForeverFinancialFreedom.com. If you want to check out some of his uh, writing and his blog, uh, I'll I'll put the link down on the show notes. Uh, he recently, I, I've been reading your your report um, on uh, on Struggle Corp and what you think of the company. So definitely, mm, if yes. you want to know more about that, do check it out. Uh, thank you once again, Brian. Thank you for your time. Yep, thank you. Thank you, Stanley. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you are feeling generous, please give us a rating and review as well. This would greatly help other investors find out about our podcast. To access our show notes, please go to valueinvestasia.com slash investing ideas. And be sure to sign up for our email newsletter for more outstanding content and reports about investing. The show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice. Please seek professional advice or do your own research when making any investment decision.